We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. I am staff writer Steve Ribeiro, joined by partner, writer, editor, social media guru, Johnny Gomez. Johnny, how we doing? Doing pretty good today. How about you, Steve? I'm doing great, man. Want to give a shout out to our boss, Derek Ciapala, who had a kid this week. So congrats to Derek. He'll be back on the podcast soon, but for now, we got it. Also, want to make sure to give a shout out to iTunes and the Rams Talk Radio podcast. Even if you listen on somewhere else, if you have an Apple podcast account, please give us a five-star review. Subscribe. They say the thing to do is to subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. Do that if you really want to help out. Also, if you're not on iTunes, as we mentioned, find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Android, and Google Play. Also, check out the Rams Talk website, ramstalk.net. That's where we source from. A lot of great content up last week. We 
Blaine Grissick wrote up about how Wes Snead is changing the modern GM. Johnny, our man here, wrote an article about Ndamukong Sue's impact with the Rams, and we'll touch on that a little bit later in this podcast. And also, I wrote an article this week that you can send to your friends. It's a crash course on how to successfully merge into the LA Rams bandwagon because we can have bandwagon fans now because we are good and fun and apparently trading for every pro bowler in the league. So give that a read. If you have anything that I missed, tweet me at Steve Barrow. I want to keep this article kind of as a running guide for what bandwagon fans should do to act like they've been on the ride for longer than this. Johnny, you got anything to add about the site? I'm just waiting to hear from people telling me, "Oh, you're a bandwagoner fan. You 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 haven't been you haven't been with the Rams when during the Fisher era or, you know, when we're losing pretty much every season." I'm waiting for that because that's basically what happened when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, you know, so many years back. Yeah, yeah, and I think I became a fan around that time. I'm too young to remember why I became a fan. So I don't <laughs> I, I honestly don't think it was because they were good. I don't even think I even knew. I think I just liked the helmet. But, like, by the time, like, I was, you know, like, really old enough to understand football, nobody called me a front runner because they were so bad. And now, like, I know a lot of people don't like bandwagon fans. Bring them in. The fact that we're good enough to have bandwagon fans is just fantastic to me. I mean, who would have became a bandwagon fan Last year at this time, or any time in the past few years. So I, for one, anyone who wants to join on the bandwagon, come aboard. We'd love to have you. Yeah, always room for in the rambling. Amen to that. All right, so on the docket today, the first thing we're going to do is, as we mentioned with the bandwagoning, Rams had a pretty eventful offseason. Les Snead getting out of the Fisher shadow and making some moves. So we are going to give grades to all of the the major moves that Les Snead made. We're not going to get into every single one, but we're going to go over through the ones that you guys want to hear about and that we want to talk about. So the first transaction we'll have that kind of kicked everything off was the Rams signed Sam Shields for a $1 million deal. He didn't play last year. He was injured, but very successful cornerback on the Packers before that. Johnny, what do you give this? To be honest, it'd be harder to not give this a a high grade. I personally would give it an A- minus just because – Sam Shields is capable of being that kind of veteran presence that the Rams kind of lacked for the past couple of years. And on top of that, he's basically there for depth purposes. So considering that this guy is potentially your number four cornerback, that says a lot. That says a lot on the cornerback depth, especially considering that was the number one concern at the start of the offseason. So anything less than an A, I would have a question mark for you. Yeah, I'm honestly giving this an A plus just because this is these are the kind of low risk, uh, high ceiling rewards that a lot of smart GMs make in football and in other sports like this. You bring a guy like Sam Shields, this is a guy who if this happened before some of the cornerback moves, so like if if we didn't get a key to leave and lost Tremaine, Sam Shields is a guy that might be able to step in and start if all goes well. But ideally the situation we have now where he's going to be some death at cornerback if somebody has to miss a game if someone needs a break we bring shields in there so i in one million dollars not long term it's a spot to build a relationship where if he really comes back into form and proves he should be a part of this team for a little bit long term i it's all in this is the kind of move that contenders make to get better and 
it's hard to knock this one. Next up on the docket, we got Marcus Peters was acquired. Marcus Peters in a 2018 six-round pick. The Rams gave up a 2018 fourth and a 2019 second. I'm going to give this one an A plus two just because I think the second-round pick price tag, it seems a little steep to give up that for anything, even though you know Marcus Peters is a guy. He's been an all-pro little bit down last year, but for a guy that made the Pro Bowl his first couple of seasons in All-Pro, it he was still very good last year. Just a slight dip, and I think that's because he wasn't committed. He's coming into an area that I think will better suit him in Los Angeles, a defense that will better suit him with Wade Phillips, who demands respect, and he gets the best out of his players all the time. And if all goes well, that pick is going to be in the 60s. So no real regrets from me on this trade i i don't see how this one isn't an a plus either peters he might be a little bit of a head case according to some but this is the rams have had success bringing guys like peter in the past and really getting them the most the most we can get out of those guys what do you think yeah i mean anyone that knocks this trade i'm again i have to question why uh this is easily an a plus for me because like you mentioned, Marcus Peters is one of the better cornerbacks in the league. He did, like you said, have a bit of a dip uh, in 2017. But considering what happened with his previous team, you can't really blame him. I mean, you've seen it happen with multiple talented players, even like guys like Todd Gurley, you know, under Fisher Ball. It happens, you know, they lose faith. And once that happens, it's like you just kind of go downhill. Peters coming to a team, and it seems like he's excited, coming to a team that he believes in. I really think he's just going to re-solidify his career, and he's going he's gonna to make some plays. I mean, this guy is a playmaker, and he's going to come in, and he's going he's gonna to cause a lot of damage, I'll tell you that much. I can't wait to see some of these pick sixes. Yeah, it, this guy, he's I'm excited. He's going to be incredible. This move also gave the Rams some leverage and free agency to spend their money elsewhere. They... It allowed them to walk away from Tremaine Johnson, who got a big contract, and deservedly so. We, I think we all love Tremaine in the Ramley, I hope. But yeah, Peters, he's young, which is important. He's still got some time left on that rookie deal, which is also very important. And like you said, it seems like he wants to be here. And that, now that he's paired with another All-Pro, who we'll get to later, I think that's all of a sudden we really got a, a deadly secondary here. Next trade. I want to get your thoughts on this one first. The Rams traded Robert Quinn, longtime Ram. I believe he was the longest tenured Ram on the team along with Roger Saffold. I hope that's correct. They traded Robert Quinn for fourth round pick, and there was a late round pick swap, I believe, in the sixth round. What do you give this one, Johnny? A lot of people question this trade, and I can understand why. I think primarily with this trade, it was mostly because this was a fan favorite. You know, this was a guy that wreaked havoc in St. Louis. He he played, you know, okay in, in Los Angeles. In the end, you know, the whole vision of Wade Phillips' defense, I don't think he was quite the fit for him. And on top of all of that, his contract was a little on the high side. He's kind of on the decline of his career. So... In all essence, this was to save salary cap. That's what it all boiled down to. And with Quinn, I do think he has a lot left in the tank, and I do think he's going to go to Miami and have a pretty decent career there. But at the same time, I don't think that 
it's going to hurt the Rams too, too much just because he did struggle a little bit in L.A. Even last season, he was battling a few injuries. He was struggling a little bit, but injuries are a part of the game. So that's something to really consider. Overall, I, I can't really complain about this pick. Did it do anything in terms of adding depth to this team? Probably not, but at the same time it did because it did free up some cap space. And as far as Robert Quinn goes, I do wish him luck. I do think he was a great player, you know, while he was in his prime. And I just have to give this a solid B. I think overall it just helped the team with the cap space. Yeah, I'm going to give this – I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said. I'm going to give this a slightly lower grade. I'm going to give it a C plus. Just because I think Quinn's presence might have been understated as a veteran in the locker room. He's He's been with the Rams through a lot. He's a former All-Pro. He's he's a little on the decline, but like you said, he still has some stuff left in the tank, I believe. And there was moments last year where he made some plays, and you're like, damn, like that guy knows how to ball. And I think the Hall was okay. The fourth-round pick, that'll be useful. That is will most likely bring a rotation player, we hope. But I think because it doesn't seem like they really tried to even restructure Quinn. And the fact that the Rams didn't bring in anybody to fill in for Robert Quinn at this position and didn't get a huge haul back for him, you know, fourth round pick, it could bring in a rotation player, like I said, but it also could just turn into nothing. I think I'm going to go with a C plus here. It's just, it left a little to be desired and... We haven't replaced him yet, so we'll see what that pick nets, and that might change my mind. But it might also be because I love Robert Quinn. He's one of my favorite Rams, and it sucks to lose a guy like that more good. Next trade, another removal. Alec Ogletree was traded along with a 2019 seventh-round pick for a 2018 fourth and a, 20, and a 2018 sixth. This one I was a little more understanding, and I gave this an A- minus because Ogletree is younger than Quinn and had a pretty noticeable down year. It's pretty believable that he's not a fit for Wade Phillips' system. He's a guy that's moved around positions a couple times in his career, and he probably didn't enjoy it last year. He had a lot of money left on his deal, and I think for him, a 2018 fourth and a sixth, I think that's a that's a fair enough haul to me. I, was, I felt better about this one than the Quinn trade, and I... I'll go with an A- minus here. What do you got? I'm kind of reversed on that one. And I know not many people share the same opinion uh, as me on this case, which is fine because um, I could totally understand the the appreciation you get for Quinn as opposed to Ogletree just because Ogletree never really established himself as a dominant player with the Rams like Quinn did in his prime. But with Ogletree, I feel like Ogletree has a lot more to offer still, and his potential has yet to be reached. And like you said, coming into a 3-4 defense with Wade Phillips, definitely not the right guy for for that system, for that scheme. It just didn't make sense overall to keep him. So I, I totally understand the trade, and I totally understand trying to save the cap space because if the dude's commanding a lot of money, you know, you, you want to use him to the best of his ability. So I fully supported the trade in terms of, of getting rid of him. However, I did wish that we'd get a little bit more out of him, just considering his youth, considering his potential. 
Also, you can make an argument that he had a down year in 2017, and it was it was noticeable. And I think even he noticed getting, like you said, getting the fourth and the sixth round draft pick was you know a decent amount. I I feel like they could have gotten a little bit more, but maybe that's just me being nitpicky. Um, overall, though, I thought it was a solid trade, and I I give it a B. Yeah. I think we all kind of knew that Ogletree or Barron would have had to go. I think Barron is a bit more versatile where we can play around with him in different positions and we can try and work him into the system and understand a little more. I think with Ogletree, I think that relationship might have been soured. I think, like you said, I think he noticed he was a little down and he probably blamed some of that frustration in the system. And he is young and I think he will produce with the Giants and... I hope he does, even though I hate the Giants. I, I root for Ogletree, and I root for my boy Junior Norris out there. So, yeah, I I get why you give it a B. I, was, I think I'm a little higher on this than you, but one of those two had to go, and I think whichever one they chose to keep, there probably was good reason for it. I, I trust Les Snead with the moves he made. So, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping A- here, and I totally get why you go with a B. Another big move that the Rams made, they acquired Aqib Tlaib for a 2018 fifth round pick, combining him with Marcus Peters for arguably the best cornerback duo in the league. It's up there. Johnny, what grade are you going to give this one? Love or hate Aqib Tlaib, you can't deny that this guy is one of the better corners in the league. Aqib Tlaib is controversial for many reasons, to be honest. and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm one of the first people to tell you that I am not a huge Tlaib fan, but that's because he's going against my team. Now that he's on my team, I don't know if I'm upset about that or not because I know that this guy's going to come to Los Angeles and he's going to do work. You know, especially being on the opposite end of Marcus Peters, th- this is going to be one of the best, if not the best, duo in the NFL. And that that says a lot considering again at the start of the offseason this was the biggest concern. Essentially going from Tremaine Johnson and Kayvon Webster as your starting cornerback to an upgrading to Peters and Talib. I thought it was brilliant. And then on top of that, only surrendering a fifth round draft pick. Yeah, um in my opinion this is easily an A minus. I I you know Again, they could they have targeted someone else, I suppose, but you know what? Considering what he brings to the table, considering how much uh how much he can, you know, really transform this defense, I'm I'm really excited. Again, I'm I'm waiting for the pick sixes. I'm excited. But I'm gonna give this a B plus. I wanna start with my negatives on the trade and mo- most of this is hypothetical, okay? Well, the first part is he's making a lot of money this year or next year and once you already have Peters in there, that might be money you want to spend elsewhere, but I'm fine with them bringing in Tlaib and paying him out for the rest of his contract. But on the flip side of that, you're putting him and Marcus Peters together. These are two polarizing players that I don't want to say baggage. I don't want to say anything like that, but they're personalities and they're strong personalities. And Tlaib has proven that he'll play for Wade and he'll play well for Wade. And I think, that's why I'm not as worried with this one, but there's a implosion chance here that's higher than most 
cornerback duos with him and Peters. And while I don't think it will implode, and I do think it'll work, and I think these are moves you have to make, just kind of for that reason, I don't think I could give this an A. And I, and the money as well also factors in that. So that's why I'll go B-plus here. I, I think it's a move you make 10 out of 10 times, but I don't know it's a home run. It's kind of like a ground rule double. You're happy with it? But I don't know. It's it's not something I could just sit here and give an A. No, I mean, that's definitely warranted. I mean, like you said, these are two very big personalities. But also, as you mentioned, Wade Phillips, he, he's honestly a legendary defensive coordinator. He played well under, under Phillips. So I think basically both arguments there will cancel out. And I think this will this will be OK, at least fingers crossed. Yeah, that's all we can hope for. And I. It's hard. It's not hard to imagine it doesn't work, but I, given how quickly Wade would turn the games around last year, and even if the team looked like they were struggling at halftime, he'd bring them out in the second half ready to go. I I trust Wade and I trust McVay to bring these guys together fine. And I think Talib and Peters, if they come out swinging, even if they don't like each other, they're gonna they're gonna enjoy their thing. They're gonna enjoy not having to guard the top receiver on the other team for the whole game. Because odds are they'll switch them around, and I think Peters will do it most of the time, but it'll be nice to have two guys that can really do that. Speaking of cornerbacks, the Rams re-signed Nickel Roby Coleman to a three-year, $15.675 million deal with a potential out after two years. I I gave this one a B. I like Roby Coleman, but... When you're locking up your third cornerback to a three-year deal when we have one linebacker and really no edge rushers that we can trust that much right now. I know Ibu comes there, but I I just don't really have feelings on this one strongly on either side. But I like Roby Coleman enough to give this a B, and I wouldn't give it lower than that because he's a nice player to have. I could totally understand why you give it a B because basically, like you said, we're kind of at a surplus now with cornerbacks, which is, again, amazing considering the start of the season. <laughs> seriously. It, it's it's seriously amazing. I, you know, if you were to ask me if we'd have a surplus of cornerbacks, I'd probably laugh at you. But now by adding Coleman, this is literally like the last position I'm worried about entering the 2018 season. And I, I seriously can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> with with Coleman, he was honestly one of my top priorities to sign in the offseason just because I do have a lot of faith in Coleman. I do think that he's, he's going to still continue and develop, especially under Wade Phillips. And I do think by bringing in guys like Peters, guys like Tlaib, he's going to – and even Shields for that matter – He's going to learn a lot, and I do think he's going to be a future starter in this league. Honestly, right now, he could he could go out there and become a starter on just about any team. He's that good, in my opinion. So, personally, I'm just a huge fan of him, and maybe it's just me being too much of a fan, but I give it an A- minus just because I think that this guy's going to be solid. I think this guy's going to, you know, if, if Tlaib or Peters needs a breather or, or you know, Hopefully this doesn't happen, but you know if he and if one of them gets injured, this guy can easily come in, start, and I I'd be okay. I wouldn't worry at all. Yeah, I I get that. I he is good, 
and it's it's nice to have that foundation of three solid corners. Roby Coleman was important last year, and I am glad to have him back. And I do like that there's an out on this deal. I just think with some of the questions regarding how many guys we're going to have to re-sign in the offseason, including Aaron Donald, you're sinking five to six million in a backup cornerback. I guess he's not necessarily a backup. He's a friend. He's a, like a half starter because in most sets he's out there, but in some he's not. So it's just really just a, a question of future cap con- concerns here. But for now, we're all in. I, I don't have a problem with it, even though it's not my favorite thing we did. Another guy that got re-signed, Dominic Easley. One year, $1.85 million. I, I gave this a B plus. This happened before the Sioux signing. So it was a big move to keep some depth in there. And now that you're bringing Sue in there, I'm sure they'll play around with Easley a little bit more. Or you really got that four-man rotation for the three linemen just locked up. You don't even – if Easley's healthy, he's the backup. I think I think you'll be able to shift him around a little and Wade's defense. So it's a B-plus for me. It's low risk like Shields, even though he paid him a little more money. But if, if he comes into camp and he's not – he doesn't look like he'll ever recover from the injury, we could, we could get rid of him and not really lose Seep over it. Yeah, I I actually was a huge fan of Easley, and I was sad to see him, you know, you know, get injured last season. It was devastating, honestly, because this is a this is a solid backup, and I do think he has the capability of starting if fully healthy. But you know, obviously, <laughs> we'll find out later that there's no way he's going to start if uh, all of our starters are healthy. <laughs> with with Easley though, I think he's just such an underrated player. And it, it, it even goes back to his days in, in, as a New England Patriot. I, I think for whatever reason, he just isn't that colorful of a guy. So he never really gets that much recognition for whatever reason. And to sign him for a one-year, $1.85 million contract, I thought, I thought it was a great move, especially considering depth is kind of, was kind of limited. And now it's a little bit better. I still would feel a little more comfortable signing at least one more. Um, defensive tackle, whether it be through the draft or you know maybe even a veteran. If but you know, we're gonna have to clear up some space if we want to do that. Overall, it has to be an A minus for me. Yeah, I think they'll probably grab a defensive tackle late in the draft. I I think that'd be a wise move. Even if the guy doesn't play much, you can't only go into camp with four defensive tackles. But I do easily is good, and he was really good that year he played for the Rams. I think. Given that he's going to have limited reps, I think that'll actually be better for him, and I think it'll be nice to give, you know, the studs a break here and there. So I am happy with that. John Sullivan, two years, ten point seven five million. I give this an A minus just because, even though he's that might be a slight overpay for Sullivan, he's he's a fine center, not not the best in the league, but certainly a, a starter and a fine starter at that. I give this an A minus because the Rams have in the Rams have positions they need to worry about, and now they don't have to worry about center for two years, assuming he doesn't have a steep decline. So it's a little bit of money, but it's a position to need, and now we can put it off for a while. The funny thing about Sullivan is he may very well be the best center we've had since Andy McCollum. Let's go back, Steve. Do you know who Andy McCollum is? I do know who Andy McCollum is. Come on, I played Madden. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but, yes, Sullivan is is a very talented center. Decline of his career, for sure. But 
considering the failure, the utter failure that the Rams have faced at that position, he is definitely an upgrade. I was actually worried about this position in particular because um, I wasn't even sure if if Sullivan was going to come back to play in the NFL this year. I, I was worried he was going to retire just because he is up there in age. He was getting a little banged up towards the end of the season. And I do think, despite all of this, I do think the Rams should look out for a young center in the draft so that you know Sullivan can mold him because when it's all said and done we can't rely completely on the guy because he is older he's bound to decline at some point although I I hope that doesn't happen but considering the two years yes it was a little on the high side but we don't have to worry about it like you said for two years hopefully he stays at least at the level that he is he was at last year overall like you I'm gonna give it an A minus yeah and I like that you know, we have three fourth round picks this year, so you gotta think if we grab well, we'll talk about that third round pick later, but you grab a guy that we need that might be a starter there. You could take a potential replacement down the line for Sullivan or for Whitworth with one of those fourth round picks. And if you don't, you rely on those guys for another year and you're you're fine with it. Even though you wanna bring in that replacement to groom, you also don't want to bring in Barrett Jones when you could draft somebody that you need. So I huh. think yeah, I, I trust Les Need in that regard, and I think that you have options now. You could bring in a young guy, you could groom him, or you could just ride it out with these two because they're old. But this is, <laughs> as crazy as it is still saying this, this is a, a win-now football team. It's, su- it's Super Bowl or bust in a way. So, yeah, I'm okay with this. Like we said a bunch of times, it puts it off till later and sometimes in football that's good before we move on let's give a shout out to our sponsor the golden ram barber shop over at 13755 golden west street in westminster california give sal martinez a call at 714-894-7267 to schedule an appointment you're going to want to make an appointment hours here are 8 a.m to 6 p.m monday through friday and 7 a.m to 4 p.m on sundays Sal opened the Golden Ram Barbershop the day the Rams left for St. Louis and kept the lights on until the team returned. He's a diehard Rams fan. There is Rams memorabilia everywhere. Johnny, you've been there. What you think? Well, I've never been one to associate heaven in a barbershop. But if you're a Rams fan, this is literally heaven as a barbershop. No doubt about it. Wall-to-wall Rams memorabilia barber that not only knows what he's doing as a barber but can talk rams football are you kidding me if you're a rams fan you need to get over there absolutely give sal a call 714-894-7267 that's the golden ram barbershop use promo code rams talk tell him you sent we sent you you won't regret it and also if you're a business owner and you're looking to get on the podcast the website is a sponsor email us at rams talk 1945 at gmail.com we'd love to talk some shop okay Little on the less high-profile side here, the Rams signed inside linebacker Ramick Wilson to a one-year, $700,000 deal. I give this an A. This is a guy that started for Kansas City uh, a decent amount over the past three years. Well, he's not the best player in the league. That's why he got the small contract. I think you're going to add a experienced inside linebacker to a team that desperately needs players that know how to play the position. So I think while we don't want him to be the starter there, if we end up throwing him out there as our starting inside linebacker, it's 
the guys around him should be able to carry that defense, but I think they'll go after somebody in the draft and have them compete in camp. But depth was needed. We didn't pay anything for this guy, so I'll give it an A. Let me start off by saying that I believe that Wilson is going to be the most underrated signing of the offseason. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to okay. say it. You know, I'm just I like gonna, it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out and throw that out there. And it's real easy to lose Wilson in this offseason. I mean, we've already mentioned big-name players like Akeem Tlaib, like Marcus Peters. So when you have guys like that, and we ain't, we ain't even done with this list, by the way, yet. No. So you throw in Wilson, who is not a pro bowler, but he's a solid player. And I think what many people forget is he's still a relatively young guy. You know, this isn't a guy that's kind of up there and, you know, ready to retire or anything. I think that Wilson is going to come in. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. And the X factor in all of this is Wade Phillips. And I can't stress this enough because I feel like even with the linebacking core last season, as much as it struggled, he actually turned it around towards the end of the season. Even guys like Alec Ogletree was starting to get a little bit better considering that he wasn't playing in his natural linebacking position. So I do think that bringing in a guy like Wilson – who I think will flourish under Wade Phillips' defensive scheme. I think that he he will become a starter, and even if worse comes to worse, as you mentioned, he's going to provide sufficient depth. But look for Wilson to be a starter. I really think that this guy has the capability of doing so, unless, you know, Les Snead works his magic again and somehow brings in a Pro Bowl inside linebacker. <laughs> I. I think we might acquire seven to eight more Pro Bowlers during the offseason at this rate. But, um, yeah, Wilson, I, I agree. I think if, if he can get in there and if he's a starter, I think you're going ha- to have some of the best defensive players in the league in this defense. And I'm not talking about two or three guys like recently. I mean, you've got three incredible defensive linemen. You've got three incredible defensive backs. And you got John Johnson, who's an up-and-comer, who's very good. you got... Mark Barron, who's proven that he could be a solid player, and then we'll see what happens with the rest of the position. So, yeah, I think if he could step in there, maybe he'll have a nice sleeper year. Another guy that got waived by the Rams, Kayvon Webster, was waived recently. I gave this one, I didn't want to grade this one. I gave it an incomplete, but I thought it had to be mentioned, just because I don't think this was a move that the Rams were expecting to make at the beginning of the offseason. And then they got Tlaib, and they got Peters, and they got Shields, and it would have been kind of disrespectful to Webster to keep him around, even though we we know that he had no role on the team. So it's not really a thing I want to grade, but I thought it should be mentioned. I I can understand why you don't want to grade it, and I kind of feel bad because in my notes here, I I kind of uh, listed a grade. I won't mention the grade now. (laughs) Nah, let it out. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I understand that Webster is a favorite among Wade Phillips, and I'm pretty sure that it hurt Phillips to let him go. But in reality, I don't think Phillips realized that he was going to have an elite, not even just an elite secondary uh, starting duo, but I would even say an elite core at this point. And keeping Webster, like you said, would be almost unfair to him just because he's going to be buried in the depth chart 
I mean, honestly, I, I think he he would be behind Shields at this point. Just, I mean, I don't know exactly how Shields is going to come in, but you know, Webster has always had a history of injuries. So on top of that, there's a risk factor in keeping him just because of his injury past. And then on top of that, you know, last season it was kind of spotty. There were times where he he looked like a legitimate starter, and there were times where he just was completely beat. So I don't like to talk too bad about him because I do think he he can potentially start somewhere else. When it's all said and done, I, I do think he was just going to be too buried. So mm, <laughs> the grade that I gave him was the, the grade that I gave the transaction rather was an A just because <laughs> it, did, it did save money. And hey, right now the Rams are literally counting their pennies yeah. just so they could even sign or at least attempt to re-sign Aaron Donald. So, hey, let's line a little bit more of these pennies over to Donald's contract now, shall we? Absolutely. And I think it was a good move for Webster to get released because he's good enough to play somewhere. He might not be a starter-level player, but he's definitely good enough to be in a rotation. And assuming Sam Shields is healthy, he this wasn't going to be a rotation he was going to be in. So <laughs> I I guess I would agree with the A, even though I didn't grade that. Here. I feel like an ass now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I don't blame you. Uh, <laughs> speaking of um, questionable decision-making, the Rams restructured Tavon Austin's contract. Uh, from what I understand, they basically cleared the long-term commitments after the season for Austin and instead switch those into incentives for this season. So he's getting his guaranteed money anyways, and he has the incentive to, if he does better, to make some of that money back that he might have gotten if if he earned this contract. So this is like if you say you're in school and you really half-ass it for, I'm talking like three and a half of the four quarters of the year. And then at the end, you you go to your teacher and she's like, you failed. And you're like, no, come on. Like, how do I not fail? I will do everything just to not fail, just to save this grade. And so you do a bunch of extra credit. And at the end, the teacher said, look, you took a, a terrible move that you made by not putting in any effort in this class. And you tried a little bit, so I won't fail you. So that's why I'm giving this a D because it it was smart to restructure Tabon's contract. But why did you give him this contract to begin with? It didn't make any sense at the time. It aged horrifically. And it, just because you salvaged your own mess doesn't mean that you should get credit for we can't act like you didn't create the mess in the first place. You know, you you did the best to to make the best out of it at the end, but it it's still your mess. It's a D, even though it, the contract was an F and this move – I can't give it anything better than a D just because we shouldn't be in this situation. Oh, boy. Okay. So where to begin with this one? So Tavon Austin, why he got the monumentous con- contract that he did still baffles me to this day. I think it baffles pretty much everyone in the organization. Why? Well, like you mentioned, they were basically doing damage control. And at this point... I, I'm sorry, but I, I still give it an F. And and the reason being is because I do think that Tavon Austin has 
potential as you know somebody that can get out in the open field and do some damage but the problem is getting them out into the open field i don't even really know what position to really list him as i don't see him as a wide receiver just because he is i mean well catching has never really been his strong suit and on top of that if he gets popped i mean so the ball gets popped out of him so that doesn't help so that eliminates kick returner and punt returner, and you know that's why he's no longer doing that. We saw a glimpse of him as a running back in the last game of the season, last um, against the 49ers, and that didn't really do much. I mean, he had like I think one or two spectacular plays, and I don't know if it was even that all that impressive to be honest. So in the end. To have this still, in my opinion, a relatively high contract for a guy that I don't even know what position he plays, it, it still baffles me. I, I, I'm, I, I have no other choice but to give it an F. Yeah, and Tavon, he's a guy where if it doesn't happen this year for him, he's probably going to leave the Rams. And he's probably going to go to like New England or a great situation. And he's probably going to find his, his place in the league and wow people and people can be like damn like it's crazy that the rams couldn't make this work well but you know what they're not going to be saying damn this guy really deserved 10 million dollars over four years <laughs> 10 million a year nobody will ever say that and nobody said it at the time so like i do i believe in Tavon to a degree i think there is a place for him in the nfl because like you said if you get him the ball in open field the guy is dangerous and it's just this contract was so terrible and you don't you don't pay that money for a gadget player and I know you hope Tavon would be more than that but he was never going to be that much more than that at best he was going to be a middle class Percy Harbin and Percy Harbin was he was more than a gadget player and I think Tavon could have been a little more than that but I don't know you you don't pay that man 10 million dollars a year and I'm glad that they salvaged it a little, and I hope that they find a role for him. But if last year is any indication, they won't because they had no role for him last year. And they had a whole offseason to figure that out. Actually, I want to take it a little step further. I'm going to give it an F- minus just because I, I really think back, and I remember the disappointment that I had when the Rams traded up to get him. And I, I think I was one of the few people – that hated this move, you but were, I knew I from the him. beginning. Oh man, there was there were so many people. I, I actually, in fact, I, I think I told Derek once that I'm like I I really don't love this this move, and like I I don't think he he even appreciated that comment. So I stayed I stood relatively quiet on the matter just because many people didn't support that uh, thinking, but. I can't help it, you know. When I saw the trade, I was I was super disappointed. And now if you equate what we gave up to get him in the draft plus the contract that he init- that he received after the fact, it's an F minus. I'm sorry. I it's it's not I can't help it. I I'm still disappointed <laughs> to this day. It's funny looking at this trade with the benefit of hindsight because at the time you're like, this guy is awesome. I was like that, not you. I, like he, <laughs> he's he's explosive, he's fast, he's gonna be a weapon for Sam Bradford. But that like 
This is a guy that needed to get drafted to a team that had a number one wide receiver already. And then you add that guy into the offense, and then then the offense kind of opens up. But you can't run your offense to a 5'8 receiver that's not very good at running routes or playing the receiver position. He's just fast and elusive and good in the open field. You can't revolve your offense around that. But enough about Tavon Austin. We've harped on this for like four years. The <laughs> Some might call this the golden goose acquisition. The Rams brought in Nadama Kong Su for one year, $14 million. This to me is a clear A plus and might've been the best move in an offseason full of great moves. Just because you're not bringing in the long-term risk. You, if it doesn't work out, which I can't imagine Sue leaves, but this is a move that elevates that defense. When you have Aaron Donald, who's the best defensive tackle in the league next to Sue, who might be the second best and is at least in the top five conversation. One of those guys isn't going to be able to get double teamed on a, a four man rush. And when one of those guys isn't getting double teamed, that's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot for offensive lines to handle. And on top of that, you got Brockers, who isn't on those two guys' level, but he's a very good defensive tackle and he's never going to see a double team. This makes us the easily the most de- dangerous defensive line in the league. And really, all they need to do at edge rusher is just grab a guy that can get past nobody to get to the quarterback because these guys are going to be drawing all the attention. This is a clear A plus to me. It's it's a lot of money, but he's a guy that would have demanded more on the open market, you would think, and you're not giving him long term. And if he has a good time here, we might be able to bring him back next year anyways. So I give that an A plus. What do you think? This signing actually kind of reminds me of when you go up to a buddy and they ask you, what did the five fingers say to the face? And then you're pretty much if if you haven't heard that one and you're you're blindsided by this, well, you're going to you're going to get punched. And that's exactly what's going to happen to quarterbacks in this league. You know, they they're going to get hit. Bottom line, you know, if they're not going to get hit by Sue, they're going to get hit by Rockers, they're going to get hit by Donald or, you know, anyone in any any other rusher basically. Heck, uh, if they really wanted to, they could send Talib or Peters and they're going to get hit by one of those guys. If I am an opposing offense, I am not passing the ball. I'm going to run the ball. 50 attempts rushing. You know, I'd be terrified for my quarterback, especially if I had a star quarterback. If if the Rams play the Indianapolis Colts this year, which I don't think they do, um, you know, don't don't even don't don't even start Andrew Luck at that point. Be like, you know what? We're benching Luck this week because we can't afford to have him injured for an entire season again. Luckily, luckily they're going to avoid us because we played them last year. But yeah, I wouldn't even want to watch that. That would just be sad, man. It's God, that defense is going to be fun. It's it's a lot of ballers that we brought in. Oh man, and then <laughs> Sue Sue just brings in so many opportunities here. You know, again, like you said, only a one year commitment, not nearly as much money. I I think you know had he gone somewhere else for the money, and I'm. You know, I know he was enticed by the New York Jets, so yeah. there's that. But you know what? We were still able to lure him in, and that's, to me, even though, yes, bringing in Sue was the win, the other win to this, the subcategory win in this, is that the Rams are now that attractive team that you're attracting guys like Sue to come yeah. and play here in Los Angeles. That is the biggest win right there. A plus, no doubt about it. Exactly. That's 
that can't be understated that we got this guy to take a pay cut in his prime to come to the Rams. The Rams! Like, look at us now! <laughs> I'm taking this victory lap to August and hopefully to February. <laughs> last, last trade. The Rams, this one's recent, acquired Brandon Cooks in a 2018 fourth round pick for their 2018 first and a six. I gave this a B because this was a move that I'm happy they made. And it was a move they needed to make. And this, depending on how it plays out, it'll probably go to an A plus if it plays out how it should. But this is the second year in a row we don't have a first round pick. And we're getting a guy on the final year of his contract. And we did that last year. We traded the second round pick and a, a young cornerback for Sammy Watkins. And it was a move at the time they needed to make. And I'm happy they did it. And contrary to popular belief, I do think that worked out. It got a, it got us a division title. I would give up that second round pick in a heartbeat for a division title if you told me that at the time last year, even if Watkins was disappointing and left. This one, as long as we retain Brandon Cooks, even if it's on a franchise tag next year, I'm okay with giving up this first round pick. But it's two straight years that you don't have a first round pick, and that's an important pick to have. And I do think Cooks will work out. And this is, I wrote it in my Sammy Watkins piece. You can check it out on the website. The Rams needed to replace his presence on the offense because it really opened things up just by having a guy on the outside that demanded the attention of a number one cornerback. And Cooks will, and it'll keep things open for Cup and for Woods, and I think he'll play better, and it'll keep the running game open. But, yeah, I'm happy with it, but I think it's a B just because of what you gave up and the possibility that he could walk after the end of the year. Let's be honest, Steve. The reason why you're upset – or, okay, let me rephrase that. I'm not upset. That. I'm definitely not upset, but... It... <laughs> let me rephrase that. I, not upset. Slightly disappointed. The reason you're slightly disappointed is because you wanted to watch the NFL draft and see the Rams <laughs> pick their... You, am I lying? Am I lying? No, <laughs> no I mean, I, I'm definitely not watching day one now, but <laughs> it's just... The thought of him leaving after the year, unless we win the Super Bowl, if we gave up the first for him to come in and then just walk at the end of the year, it's to do that two years in a row. I, I don't. That's why I'm not giving an A. I was happy about the trade, and it was just another bomb and a bombshell in off season. But I, I'm so happy about this. I, I just, I give it a B. That's just what I think it is. Sometimes you're happy with a B. <laughs> that's true. I, I know I was happy I've with the B. Uh, plenty of times. <laughs> But yes, um, kind of like you, I, I am a little disappointed not having a first round pick again, just because, you know, no matter what, I'm still going to watch day one of the NFL draft just because I, I'm a I'm an NFL junkie. What can I say? But the there is it, it is an important position. The reason why I'm OK with this is because I'm looking at the prospects that the Rams could have had. And I wasn't totally in love with them just because I felt like they weren't that promising, to be honest, at pick 23. Yeah. In many aspects, I, I was hoping that they trade up to get, you know, guys that we'd have no shot at, you know. But seeing is, you know, there really wasn't much ammo to trade up for without surrendering too much. I, I thought it was a great move just because. Again, like you said, it, it it fulfilled a need that the Rams clearly had. And, you know, wide receiver, 
we did lose Sammy Watkins, and I was one of those people that was a little disappointed that he he wasn't back just because, you know, I did think that Sammy Watkins' presence was a little underrated last year, particularly because what a lot of people didn't factor in was his blocking. And I'll be the first to tell you that I was a huge fan of his blocking. He really did clear a lot of lanes, and I, I do think that we're, it's going to be missed, and Cooks cannot match that. I'm just going to say that right now. But out of everything else, I would say I'm a bigger fan of Cooks in what he brings to the table. I do think he's better, a more polished route runner. I do think he's maybe even a little bit quicker. And on top of all of that, I do think he can be a bigger uh, playmaker than Sammy Watkins and has proven it over the past couple of years. I do think that Cooks is going to be that answer that the Rams needed. Certainly another weapon for Jared Goff. And at the end of the day, I was a huge fan of Cooks for a while. I'm a Pac-12 guy, you know, much like Norm is. And I think ever since he came out of the draft, I was a I really wanted the Rams to draft him. Didn't work out that way, but in the end, we still got Brandon Cooks. Yeah, so, we got him. So overall, I, I got to give this an A. You know, I, I would hope that we can resign him. I know it's gonna it's gonna be tough to do so. If he has a huge season, they they gotta they gotta start finding a way to to sign him ASAP. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's a B that I'm happy with. I just you gotta factor in the risks here, and I think if he does have a great year and we resign him, I'm. 100% okay. I'm 100% okay with the trade now, but I would upgrade that to an A, definitely. It, You know, you just got to you gotta talk about the risks here and what they gave up. And like you said, it's 23, so it's not the end of the world. You know, teams give up multiple picks to move up five or six spots in the draft. So, yeah, it's I'm excited to have Cooks, and like we said, it was a trade that we needed to make, even if we, we gave up more than we would have liked. But we didn't have second-round picks to give up. Let's touch on the draft. We, we've been going for a while here, so I don't want to get too into it, but let's talk a little bit about day two. The Rams, their first pick is 87th overall. They don't really have the means to move up into the first round, you wouldn't think, but they could foreseeably move up into the late second or the early third. Uh, do you think they'll make a move? I, I personally don't. I think they stamp out those picks unless they move up a little bit in the third and get a guy that who they want to target at. 87 but don't know if they'll get i mean what do you think i think if they find somebody if, if there is somebody available in the mid to late second round pick i do think that they're gonna do whatever they can to try and make that happen they do have quite a few fourth and sixth round picks yeah, so if they can round picks yeah yeah exactly so if they can persuade a team you know, hey, you know, I got I got a lot of extra picks. I do see Les Need actually kind of looking more for quality rather than quantity at this point, just because overall there's just, you know, there's very few actual needs more along the lines of at this point getting best player available. And to tell you the truth, I already have my top target if they were to move into the uh, second round. Well, let's hear it. Who you got? Me personally, I would hope that we can score Malik Jefferson from Texas just because he is a huge need. I don't know if he'd even, I mean, technically he could go late first round pick. I don't know if he dropped that low, but if he did, I would hope Lesney could find a way to get Malik Jefferson. I think he'd be an excellent addition to this squad. Okay. 
Yeah, I think uh, he'd be a good fit. NFL.com right now has him as a third rounder, so I think that'd be a guy that we could realistically move up for. So I guess so. You think that? Do you think the Rams with their first pick should target a inside linebacker or an edge rusher? Or something else. If we stick to the third round pick, I believe that the Rams are going to go best player available. Just because at this point, obviously they won't target something that they can't use. I, I could see them targeting a guy like a maybe a center. One guy that comes to mind is like Austin Corbett of Nevada. You know, I, I'm actually a big fan of his because I, I think he can make a really good stereotypical NFL center. If they do decide to stick around, at the third round pick, I, I would, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to drafting an offensive lineman, particularly a center, or maybe a guy that can be a utility center, can play multiple positions. Inside linebacker definitely wouldn't oppose to that, and edge rusher, absolutely, why not? A uh, guy like uh, Dorrance Armstrong Jr. from Kansas, also another guy I wouldn't mind seeing at at the third round pick. Yeah. And at the at the third round pick, how about the hometown kid? And I promise I will learn how to pronounce this guy's name if we draft him. Uchenna Nwosu from USC. Uh, that's a guy. <laughs> I, I I swear I'll learn his name if we get him. But it's a guy, hometown kid. He'll be able to get to the quarterback. And like we talked about earlier, if the edge rusher that we bring in, if we bring in a third round pick and have him start, the pressure is not really going to be on. You know, their their job is going to be to take advantage of the holes that are opening in the pass rush because defenses will be focused on Sue and Donald and Brockers. So I got, like you said, a, a good ed rusher, I think would be ideal there. Any inside linebackers that you got on your mind? If we're looking into the third round pick, maybe Josie Joel from Iowa. I personally love his versatility because technically speaking, he is listed as an inside linebacker, but if we really wanted to keep him as an edge rusher, we could, but I think his services are best inside. I just like the idea, like, if he's a, more of a depth guy, we can use him in various spots. So, uh, yeah, I, I would be happy with Josie Dwell at at, uh, at the third-round pick. Yeah, and I know you mentioned best player available. I think for me personally, I think they want to have their board, and I would, I would fluctuate a little bit in terms of best player available if – Let's say that the third round pick, you got a center that's maybe five or six spots higher on your board than an edge rusher and inside linebacker. I would take the inside linebacker edge rusher just because we we need starters at those positions. I know we mentioned uh, Rannick, but it, it'd be nice to have guys competing for that job. And whereas a center, we're set, even though long term we'd like to bring in a younger guy. But I but obviously if it's a big gap like it probably was when they took Donald and when they took Gurley. I think you, you go with those guys in, in the third round. People will slip, and I trust the Rams scouting because Snead has made some mistakes, particularly on the offensive side of the ball in the mid-3-4 to four, four range, but they've gotten a lot of starters on the defensive side of the ball in this range. John Johnson, uh, Mo Alexander, Joyner, Tremaine, you know, they've – struck gold after the first round with defensive guys. So I really think that you could, I wouldn't be shocked if the two starters that we're probably going to need at edge rusher and inside linebacker, maybe even the second edge rusher, they could be guys we draft here. Yeah. Good point about Snead actually not drafting too well. 
in as far as offensive players in the later rounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. But defensively, uh, totally. he's been great. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it still amazes me. We have John Johnson, like you mentioned. This is a guy that hopefully, you know, hits his prime in his sophomore year. So, you know, may, maybe they do look at defensively at the third round. I, I wouldn't oppose, you know, I mean, like you said, we definitely need a starter, particularly at the linebacker spot. So I definitely wouldn't oppose that. If, they are, if they're filling them, great. Go for it. If not, go BPA. Yep. I'm totally with you on that. Uh, anything else you wanted to add in on the draft? I know we'll definitely get a more in-depth draft coverage podcast as we get close to the draft. But anything else you got here? I think just that I'm hoping that the, the Rams do try and trade up if possible. I don't want them to get too crazy. I don't want them to surrender the first round pick of next year's draft, <laughs> but I wouldn't put it past less need. But overall, if they can actually do a feasible trade to move up, I do believe they should. And I think they could. I mean, you got four or sorry, three fourth round picks. I mean, if there's a guy in the mid to late second, like you said, if you really like him, I'm fine with giving up all three of them to move up and get that guy. If, if that's who they think they want. I mean, giving up fourth round picks is not the end of the world, even though you got three chances to get a guy. So, I mean, it's kind of a win-win. He, even though it'd be nice to be picking in the first round, I, I'm fine with the Cooks trade, and I was fine with the Watkins trade last year. So, I think Sneed, as we've learned this offseason, and as we talked about this entire podcast, he is not afraid to make trades, and he is not afraid to trade draft picks. Not at all. No. All right, well... That'll about do it for us. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro. Follow Rams Talk at Talk Rams on Twitter. We love talking to you guys. Uh, also, if you follow me, give me a shout. Tell me you heard me on the podcast. I'll definitely give you a follow back. Johnny, anywhere you want to plug? You can follow me on Twitter also, Johnny5Not6. Yeah, I know. Weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I do plan on getting uh, more active on Twitter. I know I've been kind of lagging it lately. But, uh, yeah, Twitter has been something that that was actually my New Year's resolution was to get a little more active on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I never said I was normal. So, you know, there's that. Hey, we love talking to you guys. If you want to tweet at me at Steve Ribeiro, talking fantasy football, obviously the Rams. And if there's any Rams and Sixers fans out there, you can come trust the process with me and gloat about our 50 wins. Also, be sure to check out the Rams Talk Room on Facebook our Facebook group for Rams talk. If you don't know how to get there, give us a shout. We will direct you and be sure, like we said, to rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes for Johnny Gomez. This is Steve Ribeiro signing out. We will talk to you soon. Let's make vision zero a reality in DC. Almost half of DC's traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. DC police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.